Hello and welcome everybody to episode number 68 of the RDO podcast with the boys, Jason and Alex Von Cannell. How are you this morning, Al? Uh, I'm alright. You're right. I got cupped yesterday. I got a massage and I got... You got you got cupped by your masseuse? Yeah. Um, can't you sue for that? No. No, not if you paid for it. <laughs> not if you explicitly asked for it. <laughs> no, I, uh, I've never had cupping before. And for people that don't know, it's like a little round cup. Mm-hmm. Little with a little pump on the back of it, and they put it on parts of your body, and they shush, 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 pump it, and mm-hmm. it sucks all the blood to that area, and it feels amazing. Mm. Now, my back, which I have shown you this morning, mm-hmm. it does look like I came out of the pod in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, and it will be like that for a very long time. Yep. It has not. It is not. Uh, he has got massive round bruises all up his back. Yeah, but because they're symmetrical, it I look cybernetic. Yeah. Now, yeah, it was it was cool. It was very cool. Highly recommend. Cool. Oh, it's a good good to have those sorts of experiences. Mm. Uh, I've been a little bit down this week. I'm I'm actually going to the doctors this afternoon uh, because I think I inhaled a whole bunch of like bird poo dust when I got rid of a. I had this old bar sitting out the back of my house just for years, which we never used. It was just in the way, and decided to get rid of it last weekend, and when I was like taking it apart and putting it in the van before I took it to the tip, mm. I was like brushing all the dust and stuff off it. And there's, there's obviously, we've had birds and stuff out the back. So there's like all this bird poo on it. And I reckon I've inhaled some of it. And Is it diphtheria? Is it, is I don't know. It is? I don't know. Like I could is be. Is it bird flu? <laughs> probably. Depends on what the birds had, I guess. Some sort of avian If flu. it's pigeons, they've got everything. Yeah, probably. Oh, it's not pigeons. It's other other birds. Ibis? We yeah, don't get ibis out the back either. Oh. It's like little like minor, minor birds Lucky and stuff. Lucky you, showing how rich you are. No, we don't have yeah. ibis. We don't have bin chickens. You anywhere, show like. how rich I am. Yeah, we just live off the back of the mangroves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I felt pretty ordinary this week. So I'll go to the doctors and get checked out this afternoon. Well, I want to start because I did something really stupid during the week. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I should know better. It's something that I've advocated not to do here, and yet I found myself engaging in it. Mm-hmm. Confession time. I got in a fight with someone online. <laughs> and I went... I'll go through the range of emotions that I had. Mm-hmm. The post that I put on someone's page was, love your work, keep on going. Mm-hmm. That was my comment. Yeah. And then someone said, no, it isn't. And I said, great comment. That's it. Great mm-hmm. comment. And I thought that was it. That was over. Nah. <laughs> I reckon we exchanged 40 texts and we were getting nowhere. Not, not like text messages. No, like no, no, no. Comments. No. Comments. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Getting nowhere. Yeah. Getting absolutely nowhere. Just two sides of a, of a debate had nothing to do with the post. Had yeah. not, it, and, and, and I'm ringing I've, I've rung you I've rung another <laughs> mate Just saying Man I'm, I'm stuck in this thing I don't want to lose So mm. I have to keep going And then But I'm like no, This is the dumbest thing ever This is yeah. so stupid And then when I had a, Another look at it So I got over it By that point I was like 45, te- 45 messages That was enough right? So I've already wasted <laughs> Enough time But then I had a look At the rest of the thread She was fighting everyone Yeah and to the point where I th- I don't think that's a person. No, she's a bot, bro. If it's not a bot, I feel like, I genuinely feel, and I don't want to sound 
tinfoil hattie, I genuinely feel like it was a farm, like it had come out of a, a like a clickbait, a click farm, mm-hmm. where they're just bashing everyone because this person was against the thing that was on this guy's page. I yeah. was pro the thing on this guy's page, so I was hanging out on this guy's page mm. because I like what he does. Mm-hmm. This chick does not like what he does, mm. and is just going out to town on every single comment. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed. I had a little bit of a further look. There was a few people that are just going in attacking. They're all using the same sort of taglines. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, I think it's a farm. Oh uh, yeah. I think it's a troll, uh, fa- troll farm. Troll That's farm. What, yeah. Troll farm. Oh, hundred percent. Like they, they obviously exist. And, and I fell for it. And you fell for it. Absolutely, you fell for it. Idiot. So um, stupid. <laughs> did you? I felt like I was upset. I was like, no, I'm going to get this bitch. <laughs> right, and then, but and like when when you hit them with something rational, they just come at you with something so irrational. Mm. There's nothing you can do. Like you have to come back irrational, and then you've got two irrational people talking about it. You get nowhere. It uh, arguing with a random online is this sort of it's the dumbest game in the world because the only way to win is not to play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. And I'll tell you what, the, the, the one saving grace that I had in my own psyche is I thought when I backed away from it, I thought I was going to feel really bad. I thought I was going to be like, she got me. Like a, like it's a concession. Yeah. Mm. And I did not have that feeling. Not one bit. Mm. Not one bit. Because she's a bot. Yeah, it's like, have you seen that? There's a crypto of arguing with Siri. There's a crypto, there's a crypto <laughs> meme and it's like, when a hot girl, when a hot girl asks you something about crypto online, don't respond to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, what's? I saw something else too that was similar. Um, oh, it was it was something about uh, like the Project Veritas videos, and right. it, and it's like it's these two people out on a date, and the the guy's thinking like, wow, this girl's way out of my league. I can't believe she's into me. And she's like, so tell me more about the vaccine your company makes. <laughs> right? Yeah, um, don't get catfished, guys. Yeah, don't get catfished. Or get catfished if you like it. Oh, if you want to. If you if you like the taste of catfish. <laughs> it is an acquired taste. Um, was, isn't there a movie on... There's a movie with... Um, I don't know if it's just out on Netflix. Tasha only watched it during the week and it's got Jimmy O. Yang in it. Mm. And I think he uses a hot guy's profile to... And people who don't know who Jimmy O. Yang is, he's, um, he's from Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. What was his character name in Silicon Valley? Can't remember. And, um, yeah, he basically catfishes this girl and then but they spend enough time together and they fall in love. So there's hope for you catfish out there. <laughs> Embrace the catfish. Embrace the catfish. Maybe I should go out with this cat that this this um trollfish. Yeah, hit him up. Hit him up. <laughs> <laughs> hit that Nigerian bloke up. <laughs> so yeah, yeah could be a prince. Could be, be trying to um get some money out of the country. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Could be. So uh, yeah, don't uh, don't engage in arguments over the internet. It is a no. another waste of time. Look, it's real. Yeah. It achieves nothing. It it makes. I wouldn't it, say it it achi- I wouldn't say it achieves nothing, but it depends who you argue with. Yeah, true. Like I I told you about 
a little while ago. You've had a couple of good ones. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast, but I had an argument with a medical professional who um, had had made some comments which I thought were, um, what's the word for it? Reckless yeah. would probably be the way I'd describe it. And it was obviously, uh, to him, I, I believe it was a bit of an off-the-cuff sort of comment, but... The problem is he has such a large following and it's such a delicate area that based on the comments underneath it, a whole bunch of people were like, oh, thanks for saying that. Right. And then I felt a moral responsibility to engage and say, hey, what you've done here, you should know as a science-based person is completely incorrect and not how you should be handling it. And I showed you the stoush and he, yeah. he came pretty hard back at me too. Like like a wailing schoolgirl at the beginning of it. But at the end of it, essentially admitted that what he had said was wrong and agreed to remove the post. So, you know, sometimes it can be worth it, but generally if someone, if someone comments on your, uh, on a, on a post on anything, the first thing I do is I click on it to see if they've got more than one photo and any contact information at all. Because if they don't, yeah, it's a bot. (laughs) Well, then I got, I got scared too, because she tried to follow me because I've got mine set to private. Mm. My Instagram set to private. Yeah. And then I was, I was like, no, like this troll's just going to troll all my stuff. And you know, mm-hmm. I might, I started feeling really self-conscious. Like maybe she doesn't like my motorbike. <laughs> the clothes I wear. You're going to end up dating, the picture, the picture dating with, this bloke. Aren't you? <laughs> the picture with Nate. or Ugly baby. <laughs> Oh man, the, the, so inter- just... the internet is just a wild yeah, place. Yeah, the best way to play is don't play. No, the right. only way to win is to not win. to play. Keep that Good in tip. mind. Good tip. Speaking of things that don't make any sense, what a week <laughs> down in Melbourne. What a week. Um, it's within... amazing what kind of pressure, what you can make happen with a bit of pressure. Yeah, well, I... So what we're referring to, obviously, is there's been protests every day this week in front of Parliament. Uh, non-violent protests. Non-violent protests. There was... It's so funny. Obviously, the corporate media just wants to continually talk about the one person who brought those gallows with them as a prop. Yeah. And was is talking about how that's a threat of violence and blah, blah, blah. And they just want to discount the other 100,000 people who were there, yeah. uh, you know, peacefully protesting, who a lot of those protesters are like, yeah, that that's a dickhead. Like, they shouldn't do that. What's the lowest attendance number you heard from the corporate media? 5,000. 2,000 was the lowest I Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, look, the, the estimates are somewhere between probably fifty and one hundred and thirty thousand. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere around that number. At the end of the day, is a shit ton of people. Yeah. And I feel like that number is pretty important because of how socially unacceptable it is for people to attend these protests. Yeah. So you and I were talking about this just a little bit earlier about the cult of COVID, and you're seeing that in in real time every single day now, it's become a cult. And the reason why you you can tell it's a cult is because if you're not allowed to question it, it's a cult. Yeah. So if you if you go like if you grow up in the church and you question the church, obviously you can get like shunned out of the church. Right? Yeah. It's the same as any other cult because it is all about just doing what you're told and following the narrative and, and anyone who steps any out of that, like <clears throat> they're crazy. Yeah, And what's been particularly confronting for me this week has been how 
we've had state leaders, premiers, and particularly Dan Andrews and Mark McGowan, refer to protesters as extremists. And this uh, is particularly right wing extremists. But but even just using the term extremist, yeah. you can call them right wing because a lot of them are, would probably identify as right wing. But isn't it funny too how how there's been this in, at least to me there's been an apparent shift between in values between right wing and left wing. Yeah, I've noticed that. I've always thought that left wing people were about freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right wing people were about and... authoritarianism, policing, control, yeah. etc. And now it's like if you go, uh, I just want to have freedom of choice. They go right wing extremist. Yeah, like isn't that isn't that interesting? I also found you've spoken about it before the magnification of mm. a particular uh, a thing. So there was the meet the corporate media definitely zoomed in on the gallows, yep. the picture of the gallows. Yep. So one person, in one person out of hundred thousand, and then also would only show a lot of red imagery yeah. I noticed too. So yeah. they really, really, really go to extreme lengths to, to, to paint a particular picture. And it's such a powerful tool. And and what about the... We, I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but the MP's daughter uh, that yeah, got assaulted. I, I was going to bring that up as well. I think it's a good time because that's another... That, that was another example. So yeah. basically an MP's daughter was assaulted, had a can thrown, uh, thrown at So just just to, I think it's, uh, his name is, is it Andy Merrick or something? Anyway, um, so it's just, just important to note that he is one of the three crossbenchers who has been working with the Dan Andrews government on trying to push this pandemic bill through. Yeah. And then the story, so the story breaks, and he comes out, the, the father comes out, the MP, mm-hmm. he comes out with a statement saying that this is direct violence aimed at political parties and their families. Yeah, he's like, my worst fears have been realised. They've targeted my family because of my political stances and blah, blah, blah. Then a day later, the police come out and say, well, she was graffitiing. Yeah. <laughs> Someone pulled her up on it. She threw the can at him. Yeah. She ran away. He threw the can at her and hit her in the back of the head. That's right. Cracking shot too. Oh yeah! I if she's the... running down the, if he hit a moving target in the back of the head, cracking shot. I saw the footage. It was, uh, yeah. It... And but... that's the thing. Look, we're, we're not condoning violence, but, but what, what what I think is disgusting. Before, no, no, before you get to that, before you get to that, that sentiment, like the fact that the government was willing to use that sentiment, yeah, knowing that, or like at, at least. Uh, um, you should have some knowledge that the real the truth is going to come out. Yeah. Especially if it went to the police, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that just goes to show how brazen and how desperate they are to, to move the narrative. But I, I even wonder how much of it is just uh, arrogance and how much of it's actual delusion. This, because oh, I don't... Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with this, but with the bloke, like with the dad who came out and said, oh, it's, she's been targeted because of my political beliefs... I don't know how much of that story came from her to him. And maybe she's told him, oh, like I was just minding my own business. Yeah. And this guy came and said, oh, you old mate's daughter, I'm going to bash you. And then she ran away and got hit in the back of the head with a can. You don't, you don't know. And maybe, maybe the, the throw E of the can was the one that went to the police and not her. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Potentially. But like, that's the thing. What was so interesting about this story was how quickly they leveraged it to aim and, and to paint all of the protesters yeah, as, people. as violent extremists yeah. 
and that they've all been threatening the families. The, I, I do not know anyone who is protesting against the bill who is wishing harm against the MPs' families. I'm pretty sure as far as everyone's concerned, living with people like Dan Andrews is probably punishment enough. Yeah. Why, why would you punish the families for what the politicians are doing? Look, it, that makes it, no sense. No, I don't think anyone wants that. No, and the argument could also be made that, that the people there are wanting more freedoms for people, and a lot of those people are vaxxed, yet are anti-bill, mm-hmm. anti-this mandate, yeah. and therefore they want more freedoms, not yeah, yeah not violence. not. But what was interesting too, um, <laughs> which also came out after uh, the, the police came, like Vic Pohl came out and said what the actual story was that happened. So just to confirm again, she was spray painting over a poster or something like yeah. that at 11 o'clock at night. She's a 25-year-old woman. Yeah. 11 o'clock at night, spray painting of a poster. A guy basically went up and I assume was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. She threw the can at him. Yeah. And he threw it back at her. Yeah. And it hit her. Yeah. Uh, but what has since come out is the internet found a lot of her social media posts. Yeah, I saw this which talk about violently attacking slash killing Nazis. And it's just to give you a little sample, like from the 7th of January, so she was talking about like some of the riots over at the Capitol building in, in, in America. The only way to beat a Nazi in the marketplace of ideas is with a crowbar until their two brain cells leak out. Yeah. So that's just one of her tweets. Now, when you've got politicians coming out saying threats of violence against us um, just because of our political beliefs like that's not fair and yet that's what that's what your daughter's out there tweeting out into the world yeah. that she's happy to beat Nazis and and again when when they are widely using the terms Nazis for like people who are just trying to peacefully protest well that's that's the concern to me is that it's easy well it seems easy even in this case <clears throat> to link because she's obviously showing very anti-Nazi sentiment, mm-hmm. and then I can see the, I can see it being moved like the the um, the narrative being moved to, well, if you're if you're against her, then you're pro-Nazi. Yeah, and that's that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem, but this guy's just anti having stuff sprayed like graffiti. Yeah, he's just anti-graffiti, yeah. and, and that's the thing, like. For him to, for the politician to come out and go, it's because of, like, she she's my daughter. Well, I don't think the dude was patrolling the streets looking for her out spray painting at 11 o'clock at night. You know, he wouldn't have had a clue who this chick was. Oh, I mean, there's no, there's no way you can tell that. It, it, it's a massive assumption. I just yeah. don't... Uh, regardless, she was in the wrong. Hmm. And it was used as a political tool. That's right. And I just wonder how much cut through... That has had already in that well, one day. I, I can tell out. you, it's it has already caused damage to mm. to the movement, and it's it's designed that way. For sure. And this language, you, like calling protesters rioters or extremists or neo Nazis, it is dehumanizing language. If you call someone something and you you brand them as the thing, when we know that the thing itself is deplorable, it's designed to have you, the general public think that that person is deplorable yeah. and that's why they've been called that name in the first yeah. place and when look people have been heavily criticized for having this perspective on it but a lot of people have compared what is happening now 
vaxxed versus unvaxxed as to what happened back in Nazi Germany against the Jews before the Holocaust. And they're not, we're not saying that there's a Holocaust going on at the moment. But what happened back in the day, it didn't happen overnight. And the main thing that was so effective with Hitler's propaganda campaign was creating an environment where normal German people were disgusted in the Jewish people. That was the environment that was created. Because they couldn't just do it on their own. They, they had to have buy-in from the wider community before, like, you know, organising an extermination is a pretty difficult thing to do on a general day-to-day. Mm. But if you create an environment of disgust, and that's what concerns me the most about the language that's used, yeah. you know, anti-vaxxers, very very destructive right-wing yeah. extremists, neo-Nazis, like, you are, you are literally creating an environment now where there is a percentage of the population who is being told every single day that anti-vaxxers, they're not doing the right thing, they're putting everyone else in danger, which we know is nonsense. Mm. We know it's nonsense because we paid attention to the science and to the data. Uh, Gibraltar? Uh, yeah. 100% vax rate? Yep. Cancelling Christmas this year? Why? Yep, because... Massive the, surge in cases? Massive surge in cases. 100% vaccinated. That's right. Interesting. So, so anyone who's actually paid attention to the data knows that all of these things that are being said are nonsense. Mm. But then you have to analyze why they're being said. And they're being said for a reason. And the reason is, it is way easier to control everyone if you have them convinced of the certain narrative and it's divide and conquer. Yeah. It has worked. Every, every single time it's been done in history, it's worked. Yeah. And, and we are like the, the, stru- there, the structures around society have used these, these tricks in their tool bag forever. I mean, look at the whole like, and I, I don't want to really get into it, but one, one quick point I'll make about, like there was the Kyle Rittenhouse um, case out of America where the, essentially someone was at a Black Lives Matter protest, was trying to help uh, and was attacked, shot and killed two people and injured another one and he's just been acquitted. And when this was first reported last year, it, it, because America is so, such a powder keg when it comes to race, it just went straight stratospheric into the thing of this kid's a racist and blah, blah, blah. I was, I was under the impression at the start that he killed black people. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's what you're led to believe. Yeah. He killed white people. Yeah, yeah. So, so they literally made a, a race war out of a case of a white person killing white people who attack him in the street. Yeah. Right? And even now, like it's still racially charged now. Yeah. And you just go, what is, what is the purpose of that? Does that benefit... The wider communities, I said wider with a D, not whiter. Yeah. But does it does it benefit wider communities to create division where there is none? Well, no. Like at the end of the day, it's it's a case of like obviously the case has been judged on its merits, but even now you've still got like you've got commentators saying he only got off because he's white, and it's like it's not helpful. I think the big lesson out of it, and and myself included in this, is you can't judge a case by the headlines. No. Like, you can't judge anything by the headlines. No, you just can't. And, and, and that's what we're being pushed to do. And the headlines are getting so outlandish now so that they can get mm-hmm. eyes on, so that they can get their advertisers paid. Yeah. And the, the surprising thing is that the information's available. Yeah. You just need to know how to disseminate it. Yeah. I want to talk about the cult of COVID because yeah. this has become very relevant uh, recently. And it is, it is a real thing. And 
What we're talking about with the cold of COVID is the environment that's been created around COVID, the disease, around vaccinations, around treatments, around the the whole the whole thing. And it's it is literally that whole thing of a cult being you can't question it, otherwise you're yep. crazy and you should be out. And <clears throat> I had a conversation during the week with someone who literally said things such as, "If we weren't vaccinated, we'd all. Uh, if we didn't have the vaccine, we'd all be dead." Yeah. And I said, "Well, that's ridiculous because last year we had twenty nine thousand people get COVID in Australia, and nine hundred died, yep. and there was no vaccine until February." Yeah. So that's ridiculous. Yeah, but that's what the headline would. But the, but the headline, like, and just think about the the rhetoric we've been getting from our politicians in regards to opening the borders. COVID's going to hit the community. And the, the hospitals can't keep up, and uh, you know, there's like going to be skyrocketing deaths. How many hospitals have we built? Zero. Okay. And we're building other infrastructure around COVID. That's yeah. Okay. Um, happy camps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just I just want to give you guys some updated numbers so one of the um like the best uh data uh sources that you can go to is covidlive.com.au it's the covid tracker it literally tracks every number when it comes to covid and so up until as of today in total in australia we've had 196,962 cases of covid so it's 196,000 cases as far as deaths go we've had 1,938. So that's a 1% death rate. And I said that to this person this week. I was like, it's got a 1% death rate and the median age of death is 80. Mm. And they're like, no, 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 that's ridiculous. And I'm like, I'm so concerned because there will be so many people in the same boat who all they've done is turn the TV on every day and they've been convinced that if if... If we open the borders, the world's going to fall apart. Yeah. But this thing has a 1% death rate. Yeah. And that is including the fact that 900 people died last year before vaccines. And we've said before, we do believe that vaccines have a part in protecting the vulnerable, the elderly, immunocompromised from COVID. We believe that. Yeah. We also believe that there's a risk-reward trade-off calculation that needs to be made. WHO came out and said uh, no to booster shots for the healthy. This is, uh, and the line they used was something like, this um, this agenda needs to stop. Really? That WHO said that, yeah, as the UK has just approved uh, booster shots. Yeah, well, I mean, again... So the World the- Health Organisation... Well, as we said last week too, they have come out and said there is a likely causal association between mRNA vaccines and myocarditis. So they're now admitting that the thing, the stuff that we've been talking about for months is there's now enough overwhelming data to show that we were right. And think about the news too. The news used to quote WHO when yeah. it had outlandish claims of like really negative things. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying, okay, we need to call... Cool it a little bit. Okay, yeah. we need to we need to we need to have a closer look at the uh, vaccination program. Mm-hmm. We need to stop booster shots for healthy people. Yep. No mention, zero mention of it. Yeah, and even things like so, we're we're looking at approving these shots for kids five to eleven. They'll be approved. I've no doubt. Yeah, and, and why wouldn't they? And they're looking at approving it by, I think January is right. when they're looking at approving it. But you just go, like, 
Why? <laughs> like what, it makes no sense. Yeah, what is, what is the point? Look, maybe approving a vaccine for immunocompromised kids between sure. the age of 5 and 11, yep. I'm okay with that. Yep. But doing blanket, blanket vaccination of that age group makes no sense when you look at the numbers. So if I look at the updated numbers, and this is on health.gov.au, in the 0 to 9 age group, there has been 14,378 cases in males, and 13,690 cases in females. So that's almost 28, well, it's 28,000 cases. And there's been zero deaths. Mm. So what is the Why point? is it even a conversation? Yeah, exactly. And, sorry, it could be a conversation if, like we've wanted from the beginning, if it was a, if it was a vaccine that stopped you from getting it, stopped you from transmitting it. That's right. Then you might be able to justify why you'd give it to kids. Yeah. So that they couldn't then give it to their, um, their parents. Yep. Uh, it's in, we, we know now it's extremely leaky vaccine mm-hmm. and you are going to give it to someone anyway. Yeah. But the problem is you then have public health bureaucrats coming out and just blatant, blatantly lying to people yeah. saying, oh, like I heard Jeanette Young before she got promoted to governor, she just pulled a figure out of her ass saying that it um, reduces your chance of spreading it down to 25%. And I, like I'm sitting there watching the TV just frustrated going... What's that based on? Can you show the science? How is it possible that the the, the, yeah. the vaccination rate goes up every single day, yet the case rate's been going up until now? Until now. Can I explain why? Sure. So, like, a, five days ago, I was, I was watching the New South Wales uh, health report, mm-hmm. and as of the 15th of this month, New South Wales no longer counts regional cases. <laughs> Isn't it bizarre? <laughs> and then on this morning's news, they quote... New South Wales cases going down. Mm. Of course, because you're not counting them anymore. Now, which is what we predicted. Now, we did predict it. We thought it was going to be because... So, we thought it, they're going to change the testing to antigen as opposed to PCR. Yeah. Uh, we, I don't think... We didn't foresee them not testing them. But no, my no, friend no, no. in there America... Was, there was, a, there was some, a point that I had made, which was uh, Kerry Chant... Dr. Kerry Chant had made a... a She'd said in a press conference that they were updating what constitutes a close contact. So, yeah, in other yeah, words, because that, they yeah. were reducing the amount of close contacts or who was gauged as a close contact, that automatically reduces the amount of people to get tested. And yeah. if you don't test, you don't find any cases. Well, they're not doing uh, hotspots and contact tracing anymore. It's now on the person that uh, tests positive. And the businesses associated with it. Yeah. So, in other words, like, you now have to police yourself, call yeah. everyone. It's like getting an STD and then yeah. go and have to call all your previous sexual yeah. partners. Going, yeah. So, oh, are you itchy? But that, that so that um, is just an example of how they've had this plan in, the whole time. Hmm. Sell as many units as you possibly can. Yep. Show its um, efficacy, not by real data, hmm. but just change the data set. Okay, let's yeah, just, just remove... Just, just change the definition of success. Change the definition definition of success. That's that's exactly mm-hmm. that's exactly right. And because realistically, if you actually look at the data, last year in Australia seems way more successful than this year. So last year we had a higher uh, death rate as far as the percentage goes because there's about 29,000 cases last year and 909 deaths. Mm. But this year we've had, because uh, if the total number is 190,000, that means you've had 160,000 cases this year and you've had a similar amount of deaths. So realistically, last year looks like a better result because you had way less cases. <laughs> yeah, you can't say that, man. <laughs> you can't say that because we had no vaccine. 
Well, yeah, that, that's kind of my point. No, 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 but you can't say that. Because <laughs> it's not like we haven't had lockdowns this year. And I just want to, a side note, this thing that keeps on coming through my head every time I'm watching one of these, one of these, um, any news report, any commentator talking about it, mm-hmm. they're not even, like, they'll tag it about safety, but it's all about the primary focus is upping the rate of vaccination. That's right. That's it. Yeah. And, and again, like we've said before, wordplay. So the, the phrases they use is COVID-19 vaccination is still the safest and most effective way at protecting yourself from serious disease. Yeah. Or hospitalization. Or hospitalization from COVID. Yeah. But they don't say like it's got no side effects. They don't say like there are no adverse effects and people aren't going to hospital because of the, of the vaccine. Yeah. But they just say that it's still the the best way of keeping yourself safe from COVID. Which could potentially be correct. Potentially. But they're just kind of leaving out a massive data set, which is kind of important Dude, to make a decision. I spoke to two people during the week that had, had the worst reactions to it and they've been out like on their ass for three mm. days. Yeah. And like the most excruciating pain ever. And yeah. I was like, no thanks. Mm. No thanks. You know, Queensland has still only had like 2,099 cases or something, the entire pandemic. But it's coming for us. Oh yeah, it's on our doorstep. Yeah. It's got to hunt down the unvaccinated too. So I, I had the argument and I said it last week, but I had the argument with someone show me a correlation between high vax rates and low case numbers. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. I've looked. I've looked everywhere. I... I, I purposely go and try and like uh, find information counter to my yeah. interpretation of it. Can't find it. Doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But what I found, uh, what I find found very interesting, is there is a direct correlation to temperature. Yeah. So Europe is getting smashed. Mm-hmm. We we called this months ago. Yeah. Like so, at the start of this year, we called this yeah. because. Like, again, remembering our cases and death number plummeted off a cliff about end of October last year, mm. and we had no real issues until sort of March, April, the year after, yep. which was after the vaccine rollout had started. Yep. But it's just it's just because it's seasonal, because respiratory viruses spread more in the colder weather. And you look at, look at any data throughout the world, just go on Google, type in a country, hit COVID, yep. and it'll give you... It'll give you um, <clears throat> Case rates, vaccination rates, death rates, yeah. plotted over time in a graph, and you can see there's always a spike when it's cold. That's right. The, the other thing too, like, the, the biggest reason why I guess uh, people aren't, like the red pillars are so frustrated, is because all we want is transparency. Yeah. That's all, that's all we want. And it has not been transparent since right from the beginning. Yeah. And in a way, like, the, the problem is it's like with public policy, they just think that everyone is too dumb and therefore they can't be trusted to make their own decisions. Yeah. And that's pretty clear in a lot of the policies that have been made. So, like, look at Queensland, for example. When we hit 70% double dose, they're like, the great news is that people can start coming home, but they have to come home by air, so you still can't drive over the border. Mm. So, in other words, if you live in Moorlambar, you need to make your way to Sydney, Newcastle. You go to Newcastle or Newcastle. But if you if you're going to an airport like like New South Wales has active COVID cases, a couple hundred a day, three hundred a day. So only in city centres. Does that count them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, so just to be clear, there's zero regional cases. <laughs> yeah. That is a fact. There is zero. It just goes to show the efficacy of the vaccination rate. Well done, you South Welsh people. You've That's done right. It. You've done it. Don't question it. Um, yeah. But you, you need to go to an airport, which generally have few people around airports, right? Mm. Normally they're pretty busy. And then you need to get on a, um, a metal cylinder with a couple of hundred people. A ride share. <laughs> yeah, with a couple of hundred people in it. And then you fly up to another airport with a lot of people around there. And then you presumably do you have, do you have, have to take... of fresh air up in the sky though, right? <laughs> yeah. You're not in a sealed container. Uh, yeah, you are in a sealed container. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then you have to presumably take some sort of public transport to get home. <laughs> that is safer than driving your own car with yourself in it over the border. Yeah, but it's like the um, wear a mask when you're standing up, but not when you're sitting down. Oh, yeah. That funny TikTok. So Ooh, all, almost got you. So all that sort of stuff, like. That's the sort of stuff that if you want people to buy in, just don't treat them like they're fucking idiots. And that's what that's how we've yeah. been treated the entire time. And there was a fantastic story I found this week, which I sent it into the group chat. It didn't get anywhere near the response that I was expecting. So I'm assuming you guys just didn't read it. Probably. Did no. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, FDA asks court for 55 years to fully release Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine data. Oh, I did read that. You did. I did read that. It's not 55 years. They didn't say, hey, can we have 55 years? They said, can we have a X amount of time per page? Yeah. Which turned out to be 55 years. Which, it's a, so Did, the, we needed time to redact, mate. Like, we're going to change the, the, the ink in the redacting pen. Uh, yeah, they'll have to redact everything. Yeah. So just to tell uh, I'll, I'll put the link up for this, but I'll, I'll give you a bit of the article. The Food and Drug Administration asked a federal judge on the November 15 to give it until the year 2076 to fully release the documents in its possession tied to the approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. The FDA's request was made in a filing as part of a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit by a medical transparency group. So I think they want transparency as well, just like we do. The government told the court it has 329,000 pages of documents responsive to the Freedom of Information Act request and proposed releasing 500 pages per month to allow for redactions of exempt material. Do you think a lot of those pages were made up by like real estate listings of like mansions that the executives are going to buy and big boats? And, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. if we push this many units, I'm getting a G7. Yeah, yeah, and all like the uh, the contracts between uh, Pfizer and government officials of if you can get to X amount of uh, vaccination rate, this will be your bonus. It's the Wolf of Wall Street scene, that pump up scene, and he's like. They don't have any money. Get an airfield. (laughs) (laughs) So it says at that rate... They did that too, by the way. Yeah. yeah. At that rate, the FDA would fully release the records in question in just under 55 years. Now, fully release is a pretty uh, loose term when you're... (laughs) They're literally saying we need time to redact everything. And then, like, I'm just thinking of those people with, like, sore wrists. Man, my redact hand is broken. Yeah. So listen, (laughs) listen to this bit. Um... So this is the plaintiff. The FDA's promise of transparency is, to put it mildly, a pile of illusions. Aaron Siri, whose firm is representing the medical transparency group in the lawsuit, wrote in a blog post on November 17. It took the FDA precisely 108 days from when Pfizer started producing the records for licensure to when the FDA licensed the Pfizer vaccine. 
Taking the FDA at its word, it conducted an intense, robust, thorough and complete review and analysis of those documents in order to assure that the Pfizer vaccine was safe and effective for licensure, uh, licensure to get its license. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> While it can conduct that intense review of Pfizer's documents in 108 days, it now asks for over 20,000 days to make these documents available to the public. <laughs> it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you don't have to rewrite it. You just have to give it to us. Like, we could have it this afternoon. Uh, yeah, like, they've literally... They've got the pages. You've got, it's like, they're right there. Yeah. Like, oh, just, you just got to hand them over. Just no, hand no, them no, over. no, no, I can't give you these ones, man. Nah, there's, like too, there's too much, like... Uh, there's too much good shit in here. There's too much information that'll get us in heaps of trouble. And I just bought my jet. <laughs> yeah. So, so, when you consider the fact that... Uh, the FDA, which is a government organization, won't release that information to a medical transparency group. When you consider the fact that uh, none of us Australian taxpayers will ever see the official contract between our government and Pfizer to purchase these doses. Yeah, even though it's our money. When it's our money. Our elected officials did the deal. That's right. Like, and people wonder why you're questioning things. Yeah. If you would... If you were just transparent about it, maybe we wouldn't have to question things. But when you, like, it's just ridiculous not to, (laughs) really. It's insane not to. It is insane. But we've created an environment where we have gotten people to become so scared of the air that they will literally just cop whatever you tell them now. Yeah. And there's, like, perfect example of it during the week. Literally, those comments, if we didn't have the vaccine, we'd all be dead. That is so bonkers. It yeah. is so out of touch with reality. Yeah. Well, how um, a lot of West Africa doesn't have vaccines and they're doing better than the West. Yeah. What's their excuse? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's that anti-parasitic drug that they take called Sunday Sunday over there. <laughs> yeah. To remind them to take it every Sunday. Yeah. Like, it is It is just mind-boggling that, yeah. that that's where we're at. And, like, it's... It, that's why we're calling it the cult of COVID. It's honestly, it's exhausting. Like it's that, that level of delusion is just insane to me. And if you're one of those little foot soldiers that are pushing it without any, like that, that if you haven't looked, see, I'd be quite happy. And, and it, I'm quite outspoken. Okay. So in my network, I, I'm not shy of it. I'm mm-hmm. happy to have the conversation with anyone. Yeah. No one's challenged me. Yeah. No one. And they know why. Mm. They know why. So they can say... And look, I'm not saying don't... Like, I'm not saying to those people that you've done the wrong thing. Yeah. I'm just saying, don't tell me unless you've prepared. Exactly. And you haven't prepared. And that's the difference. Yeah. Is that... Because I'm exactly the same. Like, as far as I'm concerned, every adult has the right to make their own decisions. Sure. And that... The right to make your own decisions also includes the right to look into the information surrounding those decisions or not to, Mm. you can be as informed or ignorant as you like. It's completely up to you. So I've never gone to anyone in my network and told them, don't get the vaccine. Yeah. I've never said that. All I have said is don't get it under false pretenses. Yeah. Because we don't like, not we, but the medical community talks about informed consent all the time. There has been zero informed consent yeah. during this rollout. Zero. It's all wordplay. It's all wordplay. 100%. Like, when we, when we keep saying that all these adverse events are rare, like, 
You need There's to just ask. a shitload of rare ones. Yeah. There's shitloads of them. Like, you need to and ask. they're the ones that are reported. That's right. There's even... And the reporting rate's probably 1%. Yeah, there's a shitload more. Yeah, and something that's started coming out of corporate media recently is a lot of news stories about people who have reported adverse events, and particularly around myocarditis, <laughs> who've been bounced by their doctors. Yeah. Who've been either told it's in their head, which I think is disgusting... If true. Because no, it's in the heart, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, when have then been pressed to say, hey, are you going to put in an adverse event report? Gone, oh, no, I'm too busy. You can do it yourself. Yeah. And I guess, like, when you, when you consider the TGA's job, for example, right? So the TGA is supposed to be screening all of these different adverse reports. If you get an adverse report from Joe Citizen and an adverse report from Dr... Joe Citizen... Dr. Joe, citizen, cardiologist. Yeah. Which one of those are you going to have, like, think has more weight? Yeah. So, for those of you, like, we we all do taxes every year, right? If you go to an accountant, like a H&R block, and they do your tax for you, generally, you don't get audited because they know that a professional is doing it. If you do e-tax and do it yourself, you're more likely to get audited and get asked questions because they don't trust you because you're not a professional. You You may have just made a mistake. So, something funny that I heard during the week, I spoke to two different people that went and spoke to their doctors about it. Right. And one doctor said that if you if you have a large immune response, like a very negative immune response to the vaccine, that means that if you would have got COVID, it would have affected you really badly. And the other guy was told, <laughs> don't stop. The other guy was told by his doctor that because he had such a bad reaction, an immune response to the vaccine, it means that he's got a really strong immune system. <laughs> that was So he's got a strong immune system, so he wouldn't have needed the vaccine anyway to protect him from COVID. Correct. <laughs> Look, the, the scary thing for me about this stuff, number one... The delusion is not just general citizens. I think a lot of the delusional people now are doctors who have been trapped in this system for two years now who have convinced themselves that there are no adverse events. And not not all of them. I'm not saying all of them. I'm telling you there's some. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that at all. I think they're playing within the parameters that they're allowed to play. Same amount of pressure that's being applied to the general public and businesses to get these vaccines through. Mm -hmm. I think behind closed doors, they are getting that for longer have been pressured even more to get that done. And they've got more to lose than what we do. License is gone. You know, like uh, obviously a lot of them are paid by Medicare. So yeah, but people, people like with all the stories that have been coming out about, people who've ended up being admitted to hospital with myocarditis and their doctors have played it off saying it, like their first doctors played off saying it's all in your head, that's a concern. Yeah, I'm just doing what the government's telling me. I'm just doing what the government's telling me, man. Government's telling me if I don't do this, they're going to take my license. Yeah, but no one's ever admitting that. No, 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 definitely not. Same same reason why the government's not admitting that they're doing it for large brown paper bags. Mm, yeah. Yeah, like it's... <laughs> it's just so... I just feel like, we, honestly, it's just a bizarre world we live in now. It's yeah, it's a completely it bizarro world. And look, there should be... There's a couple of lessons, I think, out of it. Australians uh, will will lay down as... Yeah. 
our national identity is not what we thought it was. Not even close. We that that and this is this this is going to sound really harsh. We've just come past Remembrance Day, right? Yeah. It's not a very Anzac attitude. It's not. I don't think. Like, can you imagine if if oh maybe you could spin it the other way? You could say. You could say that the majority they fought for our right to be a bitch. No, no, like maybe. Maybe it could easily be, it just as easily be spun to say that the the community got together and rallied together to do the right thing, even though it was wrong. Which yeah. is, in a way, which is what we did, you know. Yeah, no, that's, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so, it's, so it, it is Maybe that was an point, unfair, but, unfair comment. But it's just so interesting how, like... Why are we pro-government? Our yeah. government sucks. We talk about it at the pub all the time about how shit they are, how corrupt they are. We, yeah, as a country, we've never been pro-government. No. Ever. No. Like, but no like, one's ever trusted a politician. Jab me harder. Was it going, baby? <laughs> going me harder, daddy. <laughs> um, but no one, like, if you would have gone back two years ago, and I always think, if like, I apply whatever is going on today, and I apply it to what I feel the same way in 2019, before mm. all of this shit. And if you went back 2019, and you said uh, that the government said that, I can't cross the border because I haven't had a flu shot. You'd be like, that's ridiculous. Have you got the flu or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's normal now. Yeah. Uh, Circumcision status is next. (laughs) Well, but like, it's so, it's just so fascinating to me how willing people are to trust government while we've literally got two government corruption inquiries happening as we speak. And they're not going well. For the government. Yeah, and at the same time, you had the South Australian Parliament, both sides of Parliament, rush through laws to pull the teeth out of their corruption watchdog. And you've got the feds going, no, 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 we don't yeah, need it. We don't need one. Yeah, we're good. And, and then good people are literally like, but I trust the government. They're just yeah. doing everything to keep me safe. Yeah. Like, uh, no. No. <laughs> They're like literally doing everything to keep themselves paid. Most people don't, like, uh, there was a story that came out, and this is why, again, another another sign that things are turning around, because I think now that that tax break's been announced for the corporate media, well, hey, they, they know that the that ScoMo's possibly not going to be in government next year, so don't, no need to pander to them anymore. Now we can start talking about some real news stories. Yeah. And one news story I saw this week was about how people were a little bit... Um, mind boggled about how much some of these government bureaucrats are getting paid. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Brett Sutton is on like seven hundred grand a year. Yeah. To tell people that they can't open their business. Yeah. Uh you've got like Dan Andrews talking about like how good their economic recovery is going. Uh oc- rental occupancy rates in the Melbourne C B D are are at like four percent. Really? <laughs> yeah. I might need to move there. I've got to I've got to find a place by February. Yeah, four percent. Might go to the um, uh, this is, People's Republic. This is commercial. This is business. Oh, right, business right, right. rentals. Yeah, I need a business rental down there too. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> like, why? Why? Why does anyone trust politicians? We, we never. We've never, we've never trusted politicians before, ever. And now we're just yeah, sweet. Because you've convinced me that I'm. I'm safer just trusting whatever you say. I'll trust whatever you say. This is an argument I had with someone during the week, which was that person had argued argued to me about how many lanes the M1 has. Mm. I'm like, they're the people rolling this thing out, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, they can't even build a road. Yeah. 
and like their roadmap sucks. Yeah. <laughs> their roadmap has got potholes, not yeah. enough lanes, right? Going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. We laugh about how we, if we if you ever get the government to do something, they'll fuck it up. Yeah. Like that is an ongoing joke. We know that's reality. That is what is going to happen. And we know they're all in it for themselves. Yeah. Look, look at what look at what Anastasia Palaszczuk has done for herself in the last two years. <laughs> and she she stuck her foot in her mouth too in Parliament because they're talking about you know these new rules on if you want to come back to Queensland now you're gonna to have to pay for your own PCR test. So like after our governments literally spent billions of dollars on testing, all of a sudden now we're like, nah, if you want to come home, you got to pay for it yourself, hundred and fifty dollars. And she was she stands up in in Parliament. She's like, when I went to Japan, so reminding everyone about how she went. Yeah, she's the only person I know that's been on overseas. On, yeah. yeah, when I went to Japan. Uh, because they were hot, but I had to take these tests. And, and like, she was saying, like, so this is normal. And then someone's like, but you didn't pay for it. Yeah, we didn't. And, and then she goes, well, it's in a work capacity. And then all the other politicians are like, you idiot. Like, so that's how far removed they are. Yeah, exactly. But think about, think about. I still, I still don't want to let her off the hook. No, I no, want no. to know where those PCR tests go. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I ain't letting her off the hook. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Look at what she has done for herself. She has promoted her, her bestie, Jeanette Young, to be governor. So if you have no confidence in the government, you go to the governor and you say, vote of no confidence in the current government, disband parliament call, yeah. and call an election. But now her bestie's governor, so that's never happening. So yeah. she's protected at least for this term until she can get voted out. But also, she has put herself in the Olympic Committee. Yeah. Which means she's guaranteed herself a job for the next 10 years until the Olympics come. So she knows she's unpopular. She knows there's a fair chance that this is her last term. So she's just given herself a job for the next 10 years in a public service. And I'm still of the opinion that she's sending daddy the PCR tests. Probably. Check out who Henry Palaszczuk is, Mm. what he does, what he's the CEO of. Yeah, yeah. So... Not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's wild, man. But we look we sort we sort of gotten off subject because we gotta talk about the pandemic legislation down in Victoria. Because it's taken some wild turns this week. Okay, you need to start about it because I'm gonna go for a piss. Yeah, okay, you go. So uh again, just as a, a bit of a um refresher for anyone who has not really been hurt like hearing about it or has not listened to the podcast recently, but uh, the Dan Andrews government is in the process of trying to pass their per- permanent pandemic legislation. And it is essentially something that is supposed to replace the state of emergency, which is due to expire on the 15th of December, which he does not have enough support to vote to increase, uh, sorry, to extend the state of emergency. So he's just brought in this new bill instead. And the bill has some truly terrifying aspects in it. The main issue is the fact that uh, it pretty much gives him centralized power, him and the chief, uh, sorry, the, the health minister, where he can essentially... Uh, declare a pandemic whenever he chooses to, regardless of the presence of a disease, or like there, there only needs to be an identified disease of pandemic potential, which could even be overseas. So for example, we could have zero COVID in Australia for two years in a row, and then there could be a case of COVID overseas. It's a new strain. So Dan Andrews could go, that's a disease of pandemic potential. Uh, I've declared a pandemic now. And as soon as the pandemic is declared, that then gives him a whole host of new tools in his toolbox. So he can do all the same lockdowns and everything like that. The, the fines for non-compliance 
uh, for any of the health-related uh, measures are like $90,000 for an individual, up to four hundred and fifty grand for a business. He has zero liability for any any order that is made during like whilst a pandemic is declared he's literally got zero liability for any issues that come from that um so there's obviously a lot of terrifying things in this bill anyway it breezed through the lower house because as we discussed last week too when you join the labor party in victoria at least i don't know if it's whether you know it or not whether you, well no <laughs> yeah <laughs> whether you've been cash induced or not, yeah, no, but whether as, you have access to the ballot papers or not, <laughs> but as an actual candidate, when you when you join up, you sign a pledge that states you will always vote along party lines, regardless of what your constituents say. And I'm pretty sure that most of the Labor seats constituents don't realise that, but that's what's all come out of this IBAC hearing in the last couple of weeks. So, in the lower house where Labor has majority, it flew through on the on the same day. Now. It was due to hit the upper house this week, and it did on Monday. And Dan Andrews had the majority because he had, I think it's 17 Labor seats in the upper house. I think it's 40 seats in total mm. in the upper house. So there were 17 of them were Labor, which are all obviously going to vote with the government. And they also had the support of three cross, cross benches, which are, I think, from the Greens or yeah. uh, Liberals and some other party. Uh, so... They had the majority. They could have just passed this thing. Until an unlikely hero... When a hero comes <laughs> along. Adam Somurek swoops in out of the blue. like Public enemy number one. Public, no, so, public enemy number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you need to understand this. Adam Somurek is a former Labour MP who was ousted from the party at the beginning of this year for corruption, who's just been getting grilled at IBAC for the last two weeks yeah. and has literally aired all the dirty laundry about all of their corrupt tactics, the branch stacking, the dirty deals that they do. The misuse of, uh, of, of funds. taxpayer funds, etc., etc., etc. Now the attitudes behind uh, Dan Andrews and the way he used to run that department. Yep. Now, <laughs> Adam Somurek hasn't been in parliament for like eight months. But he's still an Twitter, MP. Twitter watching the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, watching the IBAC tweeting along with it. Uh, but he hasn't been in Parliament for like, you know, like eight months. So when when you added up uh, the Labour seats and the three across benches, that was 20 seats. So 20 was always going to defeat 19. Mm. So Adam just rolls in, puts forth his vaccine paperwork so he can come and vote against the bill. And the, the whole Labor government just melted down this week. Big dick move. Big dick play. Big dick play. And the problem is, too, you need to consider the fact this dude's literally just been sitting in front of a corruption watchdog talking about how corrupt he is, and now he's got the number one bargaining chip to do a deal. That's a concern. It is a concern. But he has uncategorically stated he is against... Uh, the, the bill in its current form because of the amount of centralised power it yep. gives to one person. Did he pull some tweet from 2020 when he made yeah, it? Yeah, he, 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 he posted... I can't remember exactly what it said, but he posted tweets up where he said like 12 months ago that he did not support that sort of power. Yeah. And he's been consistent with that. Yeah. So... Credit. And also consistently <laughs> branch stacking and consistently <laughs> hiring people for yeah. racial reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's a consistent guy. Let's yeah. let's be real. He's consistent. But credit where it's due, right? Yeah. Um, so you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. No. Uh, 
But honestly, it's bizarre because you've had, for the last few weeks, you've had those three crossbenchers trying to convince everyone in Victoria and, and the wider community that this pandemic bill is a good thing oh, and it's the most transparent dumbest. bill in the world. And then you've had, obviously, the Victorian Bar Association, like 60 Queen's councils coming out, speaking against it, saying it's Which never happens, of, by the way. Never like, happens. They, yeah. They're normally completely apolitical. Um, speaking about human rights violations in it, speaking about like the fact that it literally allows a one man to rule yeah, by decree no indefinitely, zero oversight, no end dates on anything, yeah. um, and no accountability either. It's a sweet deal, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you've had these three crossbenchers talking about how this deal's the, the best thing ever. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden... Oh, and sorry, at the beginning of the week before Adam Somurek came back too... Dan Andrews tried to ram it through saying it's urgent, uh, even though it's still a month until the state of emergency expires anyway, and there's another sitting week next week. He was trying to ram it through. There's some special urgency clause or something that you can use. So on like the Monday, he was saying it's urgent, it's urgent, we've got to ram this thing through. And everyone else who's opposing it's like, can we at least get like one of the committees to actually read it and yeah. give some guidance and look and like, at yeah, 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 nah. <clears throat> yeah. And then next minute, Adam Somurek comes in, throws his hat into the ring. And now all of a sudden it's not urgent anymore. They didn't end up voting on it this week. They've pushed it until next week. And so, you know, Dan Andrews and his government is just on Somurek <laughs> or potentially someone else trying to get the extra vote that they need. I listened to a radio show where they had all the MPs on hold and the, mm. the DJ was like, did you get the call last night from, from Dan Andrews? Yep. Was, yes, I did. Yep. Did you agree to it? No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. And it was, he had like five ministers there. And this is this is the thing. It is so interesting to, to watch this because like I've, I've never been engaged in politics before the last two years. And it's pretty typical of people, I guess. You only get engaged in politics when it starts affecting you. Yeah. And obviously, our, all of our lives have been affected by poli- like decisions politicians have made in the last two years. So, Unlike just about any other time. Or at least that we've been alive. Yeah. All right? Um, so I've, been, I've become pretty engaged in it. And what is so fascinating about this is the pure arrogance that Dan Andrews and his Labor government has shown in that... So, <clears throat> with the way democracy is supposed to work, is all these different areas vote in an elected representative to represent them and their, their wishes. And then they're supposed to go to these big houses where they debate ideas and they fight on behalf of their people so that their voices are heard. Mm. So, with this whole pandemic bill, not one person who opposed it was even consulted during the entire formulation of, yeah. of the bill. So it was on the health advice, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but they can, they were happy to consult the three crossbenchers that were always going to yeah. support them. That's how I'm going to get out of my next speeding ticket. Yeah, uh, no, health I was advice. just speeding because of the health the advice. Health advice. Yeah, I'll just get uh, Palaszczuk to release it, and then you'll see. You'll see oh, why. Oh, I'm oh, she can't release it. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's health advice. Yeah, it's written on the back of the <laughs> Declaration of Independence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it is it is fascinating how arrogant. That is to not even consult don't care, almost 50% of the parliament, which means you literally are saying, hey, 50% of Victorians, I don't give a fuck what you think. Yeah. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And now 
that there is no majority, all of a sudden everything's changing. Mm. It'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. Well, now, literally the day after, <coughs> the some of the restrictions lifted. Yeah. The day after it didn't go the way he wanted, yeah. the restrictions lifted. He it just, just lifted everything for vaccinated people. Because it's not about health. It's about it's politics. About politics. That's right. Whenever the polls have gone bad for Dan Andrews, he's just given away more freedoms. Yeah. And it, even when you say it that way, you just go like... Isn't that bizarre? Like, he's given away more freedoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we are a free country. Yeah, we were. But, but to play smoke and mirrors and keep everyone happy with him, oh, oh, shit, this looks pretty politically bad for me. Oh, let's just get rid of the restrictions. Um, what we really need to speak about is what ScoMo said during the week. <clears throat> that is true as well. So, as predicted, as predicted, ScoMo's entire campaign is based on... Uh, Giving, giving back everything, <laughs> Indian gi- giving what? Uh... Yeah, giving people their lives back and their choices back, and yeah, the ones that he kind of took. Yeah, and he's been involved in these public spats with, like, uh, particularly the Queensland government this week, and the the deputy premier Stephen Miles, who I just hate that dude. You know how there's just some men, just the vibe, yeah, just the vibe, yeah. yeah. I just, yeah, not I a good vibe, not not a good vibe at all from that bloke, but. Um, so that like ScoMo came out and said that we like that certain state governments are breaking of the pact they made with the Australian people because 80% was always the number that we said we would start living with COVID and 80%, uh, people who, which wasn't by the way, no, but this is the way ScoMo is spinning it. Yeah. Uh, 80% was the number and the pact that we made and that if, you know, once you hit 80% double jabbed, it shouldn't matter whether or not you're vaxxed or unvaxxed. You should be able to go out and get a coffee in Brisbane. Oh, we will. We will support businesses. They can do whatever they want. They yeah. can have a. Uh, they can mandate it. But we, uh, the government, has got to get out of people's lives. Yeah. And we, uh, we are, we are anti-government mandated vaccination. Yeah. Those are the words. Yeah. So completely as we predicted. Yes. Maybe a month early in my book. I thought it was a month early because I thought he would leave his campaigning to a little bit late. I thought they could get those numbers up a little bit. Yeah. But well, maybe they maybe they progress too fast. I think the numbers are high enough. I, I think they to reach this herd immunity that doesn't exist because Gibraltar doesn't have it at 100. So what does it have to be? Her, herd immunity with these vaccines doesn't exist. It's unheard of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, herd immunity won't exist uh, until everyone gets COVID. Unheard immunity? Yeah, maybe. Damn it. <laughs> That's the first one I tried to name. <laughs> um, Jason is very good at naming these episodes. Oh, I try. I try. Um, but yeah, we herd immunity won't exist until everyone gets COVID. Because yeah, and as a lot of the the scientists have been saying, uh, the vaccines expose you to the spike protein. The spike protein is only one part of the COVID yeah. molecule. So. If you're exposed to the whole COVID molecule, your body has an immune response to the whole COVID molecule, not just the spike. Uh, so we won't get herd immunity until everyone gets it. And there's a fair chance that everyone will come into contact with COVID at some point in their lifetime. Well, they did testing in the UK. 98% of people... Mm. Have antibodies. Have antibodies. Yeah. 98%. Mm. Uh, do you want to talk about the Merck, um, Merck's pill that they've reformulated? Yeah. Because oh, I have a theory. You say you, you say what's happened, and I'll tell you how they got there. So <clears throat> there was a, another interview with Bill Gates has been doing the rounds lately, and there was another interview with him this week where he mentioned uh, so Merck's new pill Molnupiravir, which um, I think has just been approved in New Zealand too. Mm. And just just remembering the fact that uh, 
there's only one study on this drug. <laughs> yeah. And it's by Merck. Yeah. And now two governments think that's enough to approve it. I think I could get my uh, the urine I just put in the toilet approved <laughs> in Australia. Yeah. So uh, Bill Gates did an interview and he was talking about how uh, they've been able to reformulate... No, can you say the whole thing that Bill Gates said, please? Because it's very important. I don't remember the whole thing. Uh, it was like, well, if we... The stuff that we know now is that like we... We really needed a vaccine that stops it. Like our vaccine, you know, just reduces like some of the mm. sickness, but we really need one that stops it. And we kind of want the uh, money to go into that research now. Mm. Um, and now, now Merck has been able to reformulate Molnupiravir. Yeah, I like how he says we've been able to reformulate. Like he's directly in the lab. Yeah. At Merck. So it was that was supposed to be seven hundred bucks a course. Yeah, and for some reason they've been able to reformulate it down. So it's. Eight dollars, of course. Okay, ask me where they got those savings. Well, no, ask me where did they get those savings, Alex? They got the saline solution for Pfizer that they're not using anymore. <laughs> they put it in there. They had all this saline that was gone cheap, so they put it in. They did a swap deal. They sold trimethamine to Pfizer to get the saline back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and now, just 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 so in, we know, in saying that though, the Merck even said themselves. Like, no, no, sorry. It wasn't Merck. It was some um, government body in America that uh, had stated they had run the numbers on how much it would cost to actually produce small new period. Yeah, and it was right. $17 a course. I thought I read one that said it was 70 cents. Nah, Maybe seven, this it was $17 to produce it. Yeah, okay. Um, the ivermectin courses were 53 cents. Maybe we've already signed up at $700, I'm sure. I'm sure we Because it depends how much money you've got. Yeah. Um, and we're not using our air bases anyway. Just skip them. <laughs> and now, so just to be clear, Jason and I would have a very, very, very different stance on a p- potential vaccine mm-hmm. of this rollout if it was an antiviral from the get-go. Yeah. That is really what got us. Mm. The, 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 this is what we've all been waiting for. This thing will fly through... It's basically a copy of Ivermectin, only not as good and way more expensive. It's actually not. Molnupiravir is very different. No, it's the Pfizer one is. The Pfizer one's uh, a one-pronged a, a single-pronged approach that has the same mechanism as Ivermectin, or well, one of the same mechanisms. Which I have a theory that you won't let me say. Yeah, we need to hold on to that one. Okay. But there is a theory, and in due course... When and if it happens, we'll, we'll, we'll share it at that point. But um, Like and subscribe. If we get to 100 subscribers by the end of the week, I'll tell you. I'll yeah. tell you what it is. And we'll get banned from YouTube for saying it. So, <laughs> um, but it, it is not a ridiculous idea, though. No, it's, it's honestly, with everything that's been going on, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate part about it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Like... The, the, the biggest thing is right from the beginning when the we had tens of millions of people worldwide infected with this brand new novel coronavirus and the first move was we need to get a vaccine for this when vaccines have always taken years and years and years to develop. I think on average it's seven years to develop a vaccine and also when you consider the fact we have never been able to create a vaccine that effectively works against respiratory viruses because even though we do the flu shot every year, it's we, we know it's just a, a we have to base it off three different strains and yeah. there's a chance it'll work and there's a chance that it doesn't. Yeah. So we've never been able to successfully create a vaccine to fight respiratory viruses because respiratory viruses mutate so quickly, and there was no talk of treatment. 
Yeah. There's no talk of treatment. So you've got tens of millions of people in the world already sick. That's what got you. That's what got you the most. It was like yeah. the whole the whole mantra was like, like the news was there going, we're going to help all you guys. And all, this, all these sick people behind and like, yeah, yeah enough. They're dead. You're right. You guys, we're yeah. going to help like, you guys. Like, how would you, th- how would, as a scientist, how would you think, oh, well, the only logical thing is to not treat those people and just try to get a vaccine into healthy people. And... We were doing trials of potential treatments and yeah. we stopped them. That's right. So Here in Australia. Yeah. So all those things, that like these are all the, the steps that have been taken which have led us to be extremely cynical about the entire thing. And unfortunately, uh, like the only conclusion that you end up getting to with all this stuff is it's about money. Mm. And it's we're not saying that China released the coronavirus to sell vaccines in some sort of worldwide cabal. We're not saying that. No. What we're saying is always got to make hay while the sun shines and always got to make the most of a good crisis. And right from the beginning, Bill Gates, as we said before, was a bad actor. Bill Gates was the one who protected patents on vaccines. So if you're pro-vax, everyone could have been vaccinated 12 months ago or six months ago. I saw a stat that said the Western world has six doses of the vaccine to uh, to the poor one. Yeah. Six shots to one. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Australia. We've all, we've ordered enough shots so that every man, woman and child in this country can have six of them. Yeah. And <laughs> then, yeah. And we're supposed to be part of and, COVAX. And Bill Gates is like, oh, but the COVAX scheme, like the rich countries will pay for it and then they'll donate doses to the poor countries. There's been news stories this week about uh, Melbourne doctors having to bin Pfizer doses because they're hitting their expiry dates because not enough people coming forth wanting them. Yeah, but we don't have the, the, as many people as what we have doses. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I saw another news story this week. A lot of pharmacists have said no to doing booster shots because they're saying $16 a shot's not enough money. Interesting. And that happened at the beginning of the vaccine rollout. That's right. Remember? What, what did it go? I know testing went from sixty to to hundred. It it was it was similar numbers. I think it was like thirty two dollars a shot went yeah. up to a hundred dollars a shot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there was all these walk in clinics that you could go to just sprung up overnight. Yeah, I had one here. I just because um, I just you, opened the garage doors and I was yeah. jabbing, jabbing away. Well, if you can do it in a Bunnings car park, why can't you do it at Auto Bros? Yeah, do you see the people passing out the Bunnings car park? Uh, yeah, but yeah. don't talk about that. The comments are talking about, did they slip on the onions because of the <laughs> onion on top of the sausage and not under it? <laughs> Which is the requirement. <laughs> it's a mandate. <laughs> Fuck me, dad. Yeah. What a world we live in. I'm just like, I'm a little bit low energy today, so I'm, I'm having trouble putting all the words We've together. We've gone over time. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Over time. That's that's fine. But I'm just I'm just finding it so difficult to comprehend the world that we live in now. Like again, go back to 2019. Imagine imagine in 2019 if the government went, "Hey guys, we need you to take this experimental drug. Go get it at Bunnings." <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That probably would have worked better. <laughs> yeah. And hey, hey, hey mate, but we're giving these shot experimental shots away. They're four bucks at Bunnings. Yeah. Hey, mate, uh, you can't cross the border unless you go and take this experimental new drug at Bunnings. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? Where are we at? I thought it was bad enough when bloody Caitlyn Jenner won Woman of the Year, first year in the role. <laughs> and now this is where we're at. Handing out jabs in a Bunnings car park. Yeah. 
Fuck me, Dad. That's where you get a health advice from. Yeah. It's the health advice. And on that note... Barnings Warehouse. (laughs) Let's leave it there. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next RDA.